God, those communists are amazing. Okay, everybody, welcome back to the Turn Out This Podcast. I'm Mike, and tonight I'm here with Jaron and Ward, and we have a couple special guests with us. We have Jaron's better half, Blaine. How's it going, Blaine? Hey, good. And also from the Caitlin's Conspiracy Corner podcast, we have Caitlin and Cullen. How are you guys doing? We're good. Hey. Happy to be so here. So glad to have you guys. I'm really excited to have you guys. I've been a fan of your podcast for a while. Ever since I saw Caitlin's username on Instagram, Jamie Lee Squirtus, like one of my posts, I was like, I have to find out what this person is about. And then I saw that you have a podcast and then you guys have your YouTube channel. And I've just been a fan ever since. Just that username, every time I think of it, I crack up. So I'm super glad Thank to have you, you guys here finally talk about some conspiracy stuff. So this is going to be fun. So tonight, we're going to talk about QAnon. And now this is obviously an enormous topic that we could spend several months worth of episodes on. In fact, there are other podcasts based entirely on this. Uh, my personal favorite is QAnon Anonymous. They've been at it for over two years, and they have yet to run out of things to say about the Q cult. And actually, their most recent episode that I listened to today uh, is about QAnon's origins in the 4chan culture. And it's a really good deep dive into its beginnings. I'd highly recommend it. So obviously, we can't cover everything about QAnon in this couple episodes we're going to do here. So we just want to give an overview of the basics and the larger concepts involved. And I think one of the main points we'll be getting at is the Q movement is boilerplate fascism to a T. We're going to go over its ties to white nationalism, far-right Christian scaremongering, and anti-Semitic propaganda. But I think a major point we want to make clear is that not only is this nothing new, it's actually a completely logical progression of capitalism. And yes, it may be updated with modern themes, but this tendency for people who feel alienated and forgotten in our capitalist system to gravitate towards ridiculous conspiracy theories, it's happened before and it will happen again as long as capitalism continues to grind working people's spirits into the ground and also demonize and suppress any alternative ideas of political economy. And what I also want to make clear, and I'll open this up for discussion later, is that we as leftists can take a valuable lesson from this, which is that any political movement is only what you make it. And also, again, this is just my personal opinion, which I'm open to hear everybody else's takes on, is that any theory for interpreting the world that results in direct action on a mass scale is a successful one, even if it's not based on solid philosophical or theoretical grounds or even in basic reality. I only hope that the left broadly can find a way to use some similar tactic to spur people into action because they believe that they are part of something bigger than themselves. We can and probably will get into the likelihood of this happening or why this hasn't happened yet. And my personal theory is that it's because leftism is vigorously suppressed by extremely powerful forces in both government and business, while the far right is giving every possible advantage. And I really don't have much hope of that dynamic changing anytime soon, but I also think that that's another topic we can spend hours talking about in itself. So for now, let's just get into some of the background on the Q cult, and more importantly, what our guests here have to say about it. I have one question. What is QAnon Anonymous about? Like, what's the podcast about? Like so they started people from, that were recovering from QAnon? No, actually, okay, okay. no, that's a good oh. question. Yeah. It's, um, it's literally just talking about QAnon. Um, okay. They laugh about, you know, the idiocy of it, and they talk about, like, the developments in it. I mean, QAnon itself, I didn't realize, only started in, like, 2017. I thought it had been happening yeah. before Trump's election, but it actually didn't start till 2017. And that's around when they started their podcast, so they must have started it, like, at just the right time. But they just talk about what the crazies believe, what they're up to. They keep track of their rallies and everything. And it's like a humorous but also informative podcast. They're poking fun at the whole thing. They were like really onto the Q shaman guy. I remember like a year or more ago, they were talking about that guy and how he would show up to all these rallies in furs and wearing the buffalo horns. Mm -hmm. And they, they go to the rallies mm -hmm. and they talk to these people and they interview them and they ask them all these questions. And they, like, they got the Q shaman on record a bunch of times saying all the crazy shit that he says about space demons and like other planes reality and like you know mix in with his anti-vax shit that he says what's up jaron this is playing off of your your point here is this guy is completely out of his fucking gourd right 
but you were talking about how this sort of feeds off of middle-class disenfranchisement. And I think yeah. that that's such a good point to make. So a couple episodes ago, we talked about Albert Parsons, the guy in the Haymarket Affair. So one of the things that he referenced is, okay, we're supposed to have democracy and electoral process, right? But how can we expect people to be as well-informed as they need to be to participate in a democracy when they're ground down their entire life, not just by the education system, but by being working class and being not only forced to work constantly, but being under the thumb of a boss or a capitalist that's above you. You cannot make informed political decisions in that environment. So yeah, I completely agree that the only logical outcome for most people is going to be gravitating towards things that are just bizarre and esoteric and have these shadow governments or cabals. They don't have time to actually research things that are tangible to their environment. They're going to gravitate towards these grandiose theatrical just swaths of bullshit that comprises QAnon. Yeah, I mean, it should be the case that they just find Marxism. They should just be able to find any kind of leftist thought, whatever it is, and be able to explain all of their problems by tying them to capitalism, by understanding that the reason that their job sucks, the reason that they're always so tired and stressed out all the time, the reason that they can never get ahead and they're always just treading water and feel just alienated is that it's capitalism. That's what it does to people. But since you also live in a society that not only does that to them, but also prevents people from finding leftism palatable even, or just thinks that it's worse than fascism, or at least on a par, then they're going to find other explanations. And conspiracy theories are perfectly happy to fill that gap. Did you have something, Colin? No, I was just going to say, Caitlin, um, you have pretty firsthand experience with that in trade school, what you've told to me about talking to people that they're yeah. kind of halfway there. And then- On the verge of class consciousness. Yeah. So luckily for me, I picked the most conservative trade. I'm a union carpenter. Um mm-hmm. So I go to my apprenticeship school is filled. I, like last time I was in school, every single person, including the teachers, were QAnon people. Like they fully believed in QAnon. It was right Jesus. after. It was wild. And there's not a lot of people there because not a lot of people are going to trade school anymore. But it's still a scary amount. You know, I was in a class of 10, not including the teacher. But like he was fully on board with QAnon and like all the students were too. And so the last time I was in class was right before the inauguration. And he was saying stuff that I didn't realize was QAnon stuff until after it happened. And I think I was seeing like stuff on your page that was talking about QAnon and how it didn't come true. The military didn't take Biden away. And but he was talking about how like, oh, the shit's going to hit the fan on Inauguration Day. And he like gave us sheets of survivalist. I can take a picture of it. Oh, a survivalist God. like radio. I don't know. What the shit? Like a radio channel. Yeah. Yeah. Like radio right. channel yeah, that you could come into. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's like it is packed and like it teaches you how to use it in case I don't know something oh happens God, and you have to use it like the Internet goes out. I mean, he they were fully on board with this. And it's so weird because the reason I was so confused and like could hardly believe he was a QAnon person The first day it started off with like gun ownership. And obviously I'm like a big Second Amendment person. And he said the same thing. And I told him, I was like, I am too, but probably for the opposite reason than you are or opposing reasons than you are. (laughs) And, and we all had this big discussion and there was one black guy in our class. There's usually like hardly any black people, hardly any women. So like anytime there's a woman or a person of color or anyone who's not a straight white cis guy, we like bond and are like, okay, you're like my friend for the week. 
because it's traumatizing going to school with these people. Yeah, I can So it, it's just a lot. It's varying levels of trauma. Like the last classroom I was in, this was a teacher, not just a guy. The teacher said if his wife didn't do something, like invest in a way he wanted, he would choke her out. He literally said he would choke her out. And so like, I'm the only woman in a class where the teacher's saying that. And I'm like, what the fuck? So Holy that's like, shit. that's like the most extreme version of what happens in like a conservative space. But then usually it's just this type of QAnon talk where I can just kind of roll my eyes. But it was wild because they would have really good points to the point where I was like, are they anarchists? I was like trying to figure out what they were, you know, at the beginning. The reason I brought up the black kid in class, Tom, we'll call him Tom. Yeah, you can cut out where I might have said his real name. (laughs) We'll call him Tom. Um, He was talking about, you know, my community is affected differently than your community. That's why I want gun control. They started having this conversation and the teacher was like, we're fighting the same battle. Like we're working class. We're brothers. Like we're together. We're a team. Media tries to keep us apart. Both sides tries to keep us apart. And I'm like, true. The working class is divided. Like there's an effort to divide the working class. And so I'll be like, yeah, you're making some points. And then one kid in my class was bringing up how Reagan started the drug war. I know, yeah. right? I oh, was yeah. like, 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 fuck, yes, Jim good Crow for over you. Here. Okay, cool. Yeah, and so like the same kid who said that was also talking about how he's okay with Oregon decriminalizing drugs and like you should be allowed to do that, to do whatever the fuck you want. He was saying good stuff and then they would come out with like, the craziest shit yes yes baby people and and you're like like where the jews and i'm like no no like you're almost there you're almost there and so yeah it's hard in those spaces like occasionally i'll get on if i feel like my life is not in jeopardy i'll get on like my socialist rants (laughs) and be like you know when they start shit talking socialism i'll be like define socialism and they can't and i'll be like you can literally just google it just the dictionary definition will tell you like a very brief example of what it is. And it's not anything what you're saying like at all. Yeah. And it is interesting to have these conversations with those people because they are open to it. Like I've had a conversation about how like raising the minimum wage isn't a problem for like anyone in the working class and they need to stop acting like it's affecting them. And if all of this money is concentrated to just a couple of people, it's not anyone in the working class's fault. Like, I can see light bulbs go off in their head. I can see yeah. them starting to be like, fuck. Like, everything I've been told is a lie. And it, there is promising things like that. But it's just so fucking weird how, like, they'll almost be there. And then, yeah, they'll bring up Jews. And it's like, yeah. what the fuck? Yeah. How does your brain get it for a second and then not? It's just, uh, QAnon exactly. drives me fucking insane. <laughs> it's ins- The reason it's insane, though, is because these people... They get so fucking close. Like you were saying, yeah. you're so close. You might as well go to communism or Marxist or what the fuck ever. They love the word cabal, right? Yeah. If you were to yeah. take that word away and replace it with capitalism, you're much, much closer, <laughs> sir or ma'am or whoever. Like you're so fucking close. You're so because close to the truth. So close. But because of this thing called cognitive dissonance, which all of us have as human beings, it's this thing that protects our ego. We have this understanding of reality that we are so comfortable in. And I think for a lot of average Americans who are raised Christian, they have this ideal of trusting in the state, right? And that's kind of like equated to God. So the state or capital, right? Exactly. Um, Also hating the government somehow, like, 
it's so mad right so so like so wild because they realize yeah because they realize certain things in their life haven't gone the way they were promised whether you didn't pray hard enough whether you didn't work hard enough whatever it is they are now trying to grapple with this realization of like i have been lied to and i have been betrayed so they get this confused whether it's capitalism god in my opinion both it's cognitive dissonance so they either reject reality as you know it which is the harder of the two options or you double down and people tend to double down Mm -hmm. because it protects your ego and thus you get these crazy conspiracy theorists that grab onto pizzagate they grab onto jfk they grab onto 9-11 they grab onto all this shit that doesn't really connect and they cocoon themselves in it to protect their ego and to protect their fragile human self yep yeah it, it just reminds me of like Kylo Ren. It's like, no, you're still holding on. Oh, yeah, pretty much. Oh my God, dead on. <laughs> like, right, let's try to get into some of this stuff then. Okay. Uh, yeah. I want to just do a little bit about Pizzagate just as an introduction. I don't think we really need to spend too much time on Pizzagate because mm-hmm. it doesn't seem like it lasted very long. It kind of flowed right into QAnon. This is from Wikipedia. Pizzagate is a debunked conspiracy theory that went viral during the 2016 United States presidential election cycle. It's been extensively discredited by a wide range of organizations, including the Washington, D.C. police. In March 2016, the personal email account of John Podesta, Hillary Clinton's campaign manager, was hacked in a spear phishing attack. WikiLeaks published his emails in November 2016. Proponents of the Pizzagate conspiracy theory falsely claimed the emails contained coded messages that connected several high-ranking Democratic Party officials and U.S. restaurants with an alleged human trafficking and child sex ring. One of the establishments allegedly involved was the Comet Ping Pong Pizzeria in Washington, D.C. Members of the alt-right, conservative journalists, and others who had urged Clinton's prosecution over the emails spread the conspiracy theory on social media outlets such as 4chan, 8chan, and Twitter. In response, a man from North Carolina traveled to Comet Ping Pong to investigate the conspiracy and fired a rifle inside the restaurant to break the lock on a door to a storage room during his search. The restaurant owner and staff also received death threats from conspiracy theorists. Pizzagate is generally considered a predecessor to the QAnon conspiracy theory. Pizzagate resurged in 2020, an election year, mainly due to QAnon. While initially it was spread by only the far right, it has since been spread by children and teenagers on TikTok, quote, who don't otherwise fit a far right-wing conspiracy theorist mold. The conspiracy theory has developed and become less partisan and political in nature, with less emphasis on Clinton and more on the alleged worldwide elite of child sex traffickers. So I think that pretty much covers the Pizzagate thing, but I'm sure we can go on for quite a bit just about that facet of QAnon, which I think is probably one of the things that really grabs people the most, because that is probably what is the most emotional part of QAnon. When it comes to the Save the Children hashtags, that's, I think, what has gotten the suburban moms pulled in the most, because people have an emotional connection to children, like you want to protect them. I mean, what really could you see as a more of a moral stance than wanting to save children from being put in harm's way, from being sexually abused, from being murdered, which definitely is happening. But again, and we've said this before in the podcast, but just to reiterate, like that is part of capitalism. When elites are able to get away with literal murder or get away with just committing atrocities, it's because they are wealthy. It's because they're unaccountable to the law. It's because the government serves capital rather than capital serving people or any other you know, arrangement of those things. It just comes down to base and superstructure. But it is not because there's some secret cabal that's religious in nature. It is because capitalism is a religion that worships people with money and attributes meritocracy to it, like Jaron tends to say. And if you think that these rich people are good and you give them all this power that goes along with their wealth, well, then, yes, they can get away with murder. Uh, What did you have, Ward? I was just going to say, like, the whole Pizzagate thing, especially with Comet Ping Pong, hinged on the conspiracy that there's children being held in the basement. But if anyone took the time to go to the local planning office and pull the publicly available blueprints, there's no fucking basement in Comet Ping Pong. Nope. Nope. There's just delicious Um, pizza. 
Yeah. <laughs> and ping pong. Let's, uh, let's go with Jaron and then uh, Caitlin. So I'm sure Blaine has some choice words just on like the subject of tunnels because that's a recurring theme. But <sighs> before we do that, I just want to point out the innate privilege in believing something like the anonymous hypothetical kids that are you know being taken into sex trafficking because sex trafficking is a very real thing. But these people, because of their fucking privilege, would rather focus on this hypothetical constantly disproven idea of a child sex ring instead of looking at the motherfucking borders where we have literal kids in cages and I guarantee you they're being scooped up into different networks. There is no Mm -hmm. doubt in my mind because we've done it before consistently with Operation Bleep Bleep, which I can't say in the 50s. (laughs) And then again with the Mexican repatriation in the early uh, 1930s. We've done this consistently with Latino kids. And to me, it's just fucking white privilege to look at this and say, like, oh, my God, save the children. There are literal kids that need your attention, not this hypothetical bullshit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I mean, that's kind of a point that we should make as well is that these people who are, quote, saving the children or purporting to save the children are actually hindering investigations from actual child sex trafficking organizations yeah. who exist to fight this kind of thing. They're hindering their investigations. They're actually helping this trafficking to happen more because they are pushing false theories. And that Operation Bleep Bleep that Jaron is talking about, he mentioned it once before, I bleeped it, but I will say, just with a trigger warning to anybody who's offended by a racial story, it is Operation Wetback, and that took Yikes. place in America in the 50s. Yeah, it's fucking awful. Yeah. Like, the audacity to even call it that and it's a whole another thing that we can get into but what did you have caitlin okay so i was just going to say that there's obviously a history of conservatives specifically like conservative conspiracy theorists turning on each other immediately because their entire political ethos is every man for himself and so that's what's going to happen they're always going to turn on each other like they turned on the shaman immediately and said he was part of antifa so, I love it. God, do you? Because I hate it. I hate everything right now. Um, itself, nothing better. So the guy that stormed the pizza place to look for the basement, whenever he said actually there was no basement, they turned on him, obviously, and like ran a smear campaign on him and found like... I guess he had worked, I think, behind the scenes on movies. And so he had an IMDb page. And so they said he was a paid actor that was paid yep. to go. Oh, they can always flip it when you're, yeah, They'll you can. Find something. Yeah. Um, I was going to point out the history of the fucking tunnels, right? Because this has come up so many times in conspiracy yep. theory history. So I think the person that sparked my interest in conspiracies was a guy named Ted Gunderson. Ted Gunderson was a decorated FBI agent. He has this like unassailable character because of that decoration. And it's completely true. He works for the FBI. He was one of the spearheads to just ignite the McMartin preschool trials in the 80s and 90s. And same thing. So just a background for any listeners who don't know what the McMartin preschool trials are. Yeah, I think I was going to ask. In the, yeah, it happened in the late 80s and 90s. It was part of the satanic panic of the 80s and 90s. And basically, this lady named Judy Johnson decided that her kid was undergoing sexual abuse because she kept looking at his anus, even though he was never in good hygiene ever. But for some reason, she decided from looking at this kid's anus, that he had been sexually molested at the preschool. So in 
go ahead. She questions. Well, she was just like vigorously looking at it and like, <laughs> yeah, the yeah. She makes me so mad and the whole case will like I'm excited for you to explain it, even though I keep interrupting you, but it will infuriate you so much because the it's, stuff she says, she's clearly very mentally ill, which they found yeah, out no. later that she was schizophrenic. Yeah, She was a woman who basically dropped her kid off at the McMartin preschool and they basically felt sorry for this kid. So they took him in. Well, when she decided that, hey, you guys are molesting my child, actually a bunch of kids started coming forward kind of at the beck and call of investigators and things like that. And investigators grossly mishandled minors. They were questioned for hours and hours on end that a normal human being would break the fuck down. So obviously they gave false statements. And it spun so far out of control that there were actual trials based on what these kids were saying. And the whole thing was Ted Gunderson was saying that these kids were in this preschool and there was a tunnel beneath the preschool that they would then be transported into vehicles and then put out for prostitution or what the fuck ever. They looked, of course, there were no fucking tunnels. If anything, maybe the school was built over a trash pit, but that was literally it. Sounds a lot like Same the crucible shit. or McCarthyism or any of those things. Mm-hmm. Would you have Caitlin? Yeah. So, yeah, to, to piggyback on that, I, Satanic yeah. Panic is something I can talk Take about a drink all when somebody day. Says to piggyback. Sorry. that's right I say it specifically to sound like a douche but um, (laughs) also side note last podcast on the left does a great episode on satanic panic they spent like three hours talking about it so if you ever want to like go in depth into it but this woman came to authorities and was saying things like the kids were getting a quote is they were getting drilled in their armpits so I guess She was saying they were getting, you know, like a drill put in their armpits. She was saying they were getting flushed down the toilet to the tunnels. And then at the end of the day, they'd come back up and they'd clean them off. And she said her ex-husband was in on it and he was flying around like her kids saw him flying around. And so that's where they tied like the Satanism into it. Mm -hmm. So the cops heard this. And they didn't like chalk it up to like, oh, this person's obviously going through something. They're obviously showing signs of psychosis. They instead sent a letter out to like 200 parents that basically said, hey, just so you know, your kid's getting molested. So why don't you ask him about it? Like it wasn't framed like maybe this could be happening. They strongly suggested it was happening. And so, of course, frenzied parents are going to question their kids. They have no experience in questioning. So these kids end up lying. And yeah, a lot of these kids went to trial and lied. And it's really sad to hear the stories from the kids that are grown up because they were forced to lie. They know that. And now they feel guilty about it. And it's like, it's not your fault. Yeah. It's not your fault that your parents forced you to lie. And it's not the parents' fault that they were like scared into thinking that their kids are getting molested because people who should know better, authorities that should know better, and social workers that should know better, and therapists that should know better, told them it was happening, told them, yeah, your kid's getting molested. It's that whole case, it led to huge breakthroughs in therapy and in questioning, but it is so upsetting that this lady could say such batshit stuff and they'd be like, oh, okay, yeah, your kid's getting flushed down a toilet, I guess. That sounds like Classic the shit the kids would make up like. Yes, <laughs> it sounds like something a kid would say. Yeah, just like, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. There is like a funny bit that uh, 
One of the kids was shown during the trial. He was shown a bunch of pictures of people that like were there at the preschool molesting them. And he as one of the people, he pointed out a picture, just like a random picture of Chuck Norris. Um, (laughs) So they were just showing them random pictures, which, yeah, if you watch VHS Action Rewind, you know that I fucking hate Chuck Norris. So, mm-hmm. okay, I Fair. believe it. Send him to jail. Fucking <laughs> asshole. I hate Chuck Norris. Anyways, I thought that was funny that they were just like, yeah, Chuck Norris did it. And I'm sure all the people in the room were like, what? Yeah, he really is superhuman. <laughs> Would you have Jaron? God damn it, Walker. Um, no, it's just, it's interesting to me, though, that like, okay, so I'm not really sure what I'm trying to derive from this, but okay. So we have the satanic panic and then this thing about tunnels in a preschool. And even though it is categorically shown to be false, it still resurfaces in the moniker of Pizzagate. Mm -hmm. And I think that that, again, it speaks to like the selective nature of QAnon, where it doesn't matter the back end of something like the preschool Mm -hmm. debacle. What matters is the front end, the sensational part. They don't want the informational part. They want the part that could be a movie. Yep. Yeah. It's more sensational. It's more interesting. There's more mystique to it. And if it does get resolved, that's not actually what these people are looking for. They're looking for the constant mystery. And that's why we do have things like the faceless cabal or whatever. They're in love with tragedy. They're not in love with information. And that's a huge difference between leftists and the mentality that brings you to QAnon. I think that even though it was a joke earlier... We're talking about how, like, why the fuck did I do this to myself? Everything looks like shit now. Um, But that's the thing is, like, if you actually get to the bottom of some of these things, yeah, it's kind of bleak and dark. Mm -hmm. But it really just depends on what you want to get out of it. And that's part of why these people drive me fucking nuts is they're not actually looking for anything. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, the left, we have all the facts and logic and the right only has emotions and, you know, (laughs) crazy stories. They can't be um, worth a shit either. No. <laughs> really can't. And that's so I'm matters. glad you guys. Um, I'm glad you guys brought up the satanic panic because that's actually the next section that I have. I just want to read a little, you know, just to explain what the satanic <laughs> panic is because I feel like, you know, some of our listeners just may not even know what it is. Um, I, we have covered it a couple times before, but just to give it a, an explainer here. So it actually was not even listed as the satanic panic on the Wikipedia entry. It was called satanic ritual abuse. So this is a whole different mm-hmm. kind of SRA, not the good kind. <laughs> Not the fun kind. So uh, SRA, the satanic ritual abuse and the so-called satanic panic have been called a moral panic and compared to the blood libel and witch hunts of historical Europe and McCarthyism in the United States during the 20th century. Stanley Cohen, who originated the term moral panic, called the episode, quote, one of the purest cases of moral panic. The initial investigations of SRA were performed by anthropologists and sociologists who failed to find evidence of SRA actually occurring. Instead, they concluded that SRA was a result of rumors and folk legends that were spread by, quote, media hype, Christian fundamentalism, mental health and law enforcement professionals, and child abuse advocates. Sociologists and journalists noted the vigorous nature with which some evangelical activists and groups were using claims of SRA to further their religious and political goals. Other commentators suggested that the entire phenomenon may be evidence of a moral panic over Satanism and child abuse. Skeptical explanations for allegations of SRA have included an attempt by radical feminists to undermine the nuclear family, a backlash against working women, homophobic attacks on gay childcare workers, a universal need to believe in evil, fear of alternative spiritualities, end of the millennium anxieties, or a transient form of temporal lobe epilepsy. Interesting. Odd flex. That made me laugh when I read that. It was strange. Yeah, I mean, it makes sense that (laughs) something's going on cognitively, but Um, yeah. 
In his book, Satanic Panic, Jeffrey Victor writes that in the United States, the groups most likely to believe rumors of SRA are rural, poorly educated, <laughs> religiously conservative, white, blue-collar families with an unquestioning belief in American values who feel significant anxieties over job loss, economic decline, and family disintegration. Victor considers rumors of SRA a symptom of moral crisis and a form of scapegoating for economic and social ills. I mean, is that literally not what we've tried to explain? Like, that is capitalist alienation writ large. Like, that is exactly what capitalist alienation does to people. It makes you feel tenuous. It makes you just feel the precarity of your situation and then find a scapegoat, which, you know, it could not possibly be the rich people who are running your town, running everything that you can possibly see from the local government all the way up to the federal. It must be satanic cult whatever kind of far-fetched crazy bullshit you can come up with because you have to avoid the very obvious reality that is right in front of your face. So that's what I have about the satanic panic. Now, Blaine, I know that's kind of your thing. Did you have any more stuff that you wanted to say about that? I know we've kind of got into a little bit. So if you want to just go off on that, feel free. Sure. And um, I'm going to do my best to tie this into leftism because it does play a huge role, in my opinion, with what I've studied thus far. So I'll just get this out here. I'm a member of TST. This is a huge area of study within the organization. So basically, the whole thing of the satanic panic was post-Red Scare, right? You had communism on the rise. Everyone was kind of afraid of godless commies and shit like that. So one of the biggest points of fixation for people in the satanic panic was D&D, weirdly. There was a huge rise in the game. Weird, though, because it was created by Christians. And I mean, when you look at I didn't know that and everything. Yeah. Gary Gygax and Dave Arneson, they were both Christians. Huh. And Isn't Gygax a monster in there? The Gygax monster came later okay, after he okay. was kind of a dick. Don't let me derail you. Anyway, I've never played, obviously. Um, we haven't so, either, obviously. <laughs> so, oh, you have. That was they, sarcasm. Yeah. Um, So they basically created this game and a lot of kids started playing it and people didn't really understand it. So a background on D&D is it came from war gaming, which was huge in Russia. So there was this thing that came into your house. You know, your kids play it in your basement. No one really understood how it worked. And interestingly enough, a lot of soldiers started playing it and a lot of soldiers that were in the Korean War would um, come back and play it, but they were also kind of subject to fascination with the idea of brainwashing. That became like a huge component of like why D&D was so harmful. These soldiers were supposedly brainwashed into believing communism worked really well because they went and experienced it and they were like, holy shit, everything back home sucks. And they were like, oh, you've been brainwashed. That's not right. So with that as like the pretext leading us into the 80s, then you have D&D, this game that basically the new Christian right believed to be actual witchcraft practice. It had elements of actual witchcraft. So whether or not you were actually playing it just as a game or not, it didn't matter. You were still participating in blasphemy witchcraft. Oh, Jesus. So... Yeah. And they would make these wide claims, people like Bob Larson and Ted Gunderson. So Ted Gunderson being this FBI guy, Bob Larson is this huge evangelical radio talk show host, right? And he makes these claims that teenagers would call in and be like, oh, I was part of a satanic cult and I watched my best friend get murdered in front of me and it was a bloodbath, but there was no evidence somehow. Just these wild, wild claims that kind of just fed the hunger that no one could understand of the rise of capitalism, 
Plus, like women with children entered the workforce. So therefore, you were not in charge of your child's life. Caretakers were. So when your kid was being rebellious or whatever, they blamed it on caretakers. Hence how we ended up with the McMartin preschool trials. They were just looking for this monster that was putting satanic ideas in the head. And I mean, I would honestly wager, even though I wasn't alive at the time, communism was kind of one of those things that maybe people were catching on to. And they were like, no, Satan, that shit is Mm -hmm. Satan. So it's a dizzying time in history to look back on. It really, really is. Yeah, I mean, it's just kind of sad how effective a tool that is. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and ultimately, I think one of the things, and you've read this book, I haven't, we just talked about it, but one of the things that I found interesting is the Christian pushback against something like this using one's imagination. You know, if you spend a lot of time creating these formative environments where, you know, you're battling a dragon and you're this paladin and, you know, these games can take several weeks or a month or whatever, eventually you're going to start thinking about like, well, you know, I've never seen God. Yeah. Uh, so is that like D&D or, you know, what's going on? There's, 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 you know, this conscious rift that starts to happen. Um, they don't want you to think too much. And, and D&D, any kind of imaginative or fantastical reading or media or gaming will lead you to that line of thought eventually. Totally. One of the best quotes of that book, Dangerous Games, which I've plugged a million times, but it really is such an insightful book, especially to the mindset of this kind of person, right? There was a guy named Cotton Mather who was famous for like the Salem witch trials, right? Puritan. He said for any to deny the being of the devil must be from ignorance or profaneness worse than diabolical. So what did he mean by that? Basically, what Joe Laycock, the writer of Dangerous Games, suggests is that what profaneness is worse than diabolical means is to regard the demonic as fantasy which casts doubt on all religious truth claims, at least where the supernatural is concerned, that one might be confronted with a vision of a meaningless universe devoid of angels and demons. That fear is what is worse than diabolical. Basically, the idea of imagination turning the reality of religion on its head, which in this country, the religion is capitalism. They're directly tied. Yep. Yeah, Abraham was the first dungeon master. Shit. Yeah, and we're currently surviving the worst LARP game ever, which is QAnon. <laughs> Shitty. I really loved your point saying that they don't care about the outcome. They don't care about like the salvation of the children. They really don't. They don't. They want to look like heroes first and foremost. I don't think they even want these kids to be saved. I think they just want to like take part in this fantastical thing of like them playing detective and looking like the hero. It's not about the children because Mm -hmm. if it was, they would care about the biggest child sex abuse scandal of all time, which is the Catholic Church. Yet they don't give a shit about that. So why do they hear so much about this imaginary shit? It's true. It's a huge problem. Child sex abuse is a huge problem, but they're they're taking funds from people who actually need it to investigate their bullshit claims. And yeah, they're not heroes. They're making it worse. Makes me so fucking mad. 
if they really cared about saving children, they would just volunteer for any of the organizations that actually are trying to end child trafficking. Mm-hmm. The problem is yep. that that is boring. And that's what gets down yeah. to, you know, what Jaron is talking about with the emotional satisfaction and the fantastic nature of it all. That's what they really want. They want to take part in this giant live action role playing game mm-hmm. because to actually just do the work, it's boring. It's humdrum. It's like it's not as fun and fantastical. And, you know, by that same token, like that's, I think, a big stumbling block for leftism, like the big reason I became a tanky is because I wanted to do something that was just as equally egregious as the Nazis. Like I kept hearing these tankies are just as bad as the Nazis. I'm like, well, I don't fucking like Nazis. So let me just be, you know, the opposite, but just as bad. Like if these guys can just be edgy all day with their 1488 memes and talking about how they want to like genocide people, well, I want to <laughs> genocide them. So let me see what these tankies are all about. And I just, Fair and, I, and I went into like every tanky space I could find. I'm like, oh, these guys are actually really sensible and they have a lot of Turns explanations out. for a lot of the history that I've been lied to about. And the problem is, is that the stuff that we actually do in practice is kind of boring. Like if you're a good tanky, what you should be doing is taking part in mutual aid groups. Mm -hmm. You should be giving food to the homeless. You should be like volunteering for organizations and just helping people in your community. And, you know, that's great. It's just not as exciting and fun as like putting on some Hugo Boss uniform and carrying a rifle and trying to go kill some people, like which is what the Nazis want to do. So it's like, Mm -hmm. I don't know. Go ahead, Ward. Yeah, first off, like Blaine was saying about the Korean War vets, shout out to the Korean War vets that defected to the DPRK. Those Mm -hmm. dudes are chads. Hell yeah. I didn't know that happened. Oh yeah, Mm -hmm. there's quite a few. There's a few dozen. There's like a whole Wikipedia page about it. It's great. Oh yeah, it's fantastic. (laughs) And like we're saying, like especially in regard to the satanic panic, how they just wanted to like make a show of helping the children. Like so many therapists and counselors and psychologists made careers during the satanic panic by implanting false memories into these children. And one of like how we're talking about these like wild claims from these children, one that resounds with me is like this child was saying how, oh, the childcare workers would strip us naked and hold us down and let birds peck at our genitals. Wow, I haven't even heard that. Do they have camps, right? Aimed birds? Apparently. (laughs) They're in the tunnels. Very strange. They're in the tunnels. Yeah, Yeah, we keep the birds in the tunnels, obviously. (laughs) What? It seems like genitals would be the last place they would go. Well, uh, Tuki and Sam is the classic dick hound, so... (laughs) 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 Oh, god damn it. It's exhausting. (laughs) Also, if I could real quick, while we're still just on the subject of missing kids before we inevitably get into Jews. Oh, um, it's it's going to be so difficult. I'm dreading um, that. I I do want to do just an extra little plug here because there's some cognitive dissonance with the QAnon people and the right wing in general and disparaging BLM Mm. while at the same time promoting their ugly bullshit. And that's that black kids go missing at a rate that is exponentially higher than their white counterparts. And this, considering you're only 13% of the U.S. population, this is a pretty big fucking deal. And it almost seems organized in a way. But regardless, I want to just tag real quick on Instagram at black and missing FDN. That's FDN at the end of it. And it is a mutual aid organization that helps to get black kids found. And, you know, when we do see QAnon people disparaging Black Lives Matter and taking on this weird alt-right stance against that movement, it just further confirms everything we've been saying. Yep. They don't give a shit, a single shit about actual missing people and children. They want to masturbate over things that don't even exist when it's right in front of your face. And it's mostly black and Latino kids. That's why they don't care. Because dead stop, mask off, they're racists. They're white supremacist racists. 
Yeah, that's a really good point. You nailed it. I, let me just finish this last section I have on this satanic ritual abuse thing, and then we will be getting into the protocols of Elders of Zion similarities between you know that and QAnon. <sighs> so the, the origins of the <laughs> the origins of the rumors of SRA, uh, satanic ritual abuse, not the Socialist Bible Association. <laughs> the origins of the rumors. The information about SRA claims spread through conferences presented to religious groups, churches, and professionals such as police forces and therapists, as well as parents. These conferences and presentations serve to organize agencies and foster communication between groups, maintaining and spreading disproven or exaggerated stories as fact. Members of local police forces organized into loose networks focused on cult crimes, some of whom billed themselves as experts and were paid to speak at conferences throughout the United States. Religious revivalists also took advantage of the rumors and preached about the dangers of Satanism to youth and presented themselves at paid engagements as secular experts. At the height of the panic, the highly emotional accusations and circumstances of SRA allegations made it difficult to investigate the claims, with the accused being assumed as guilty and skeptics becoming co-accused during trials, and trials moving forward based solely on the testimony of very young children without corroborating evidence. Sounds an awful lot like the crucible and McCarthyism again. Literally. No forensic or corroborating evidence has ever been found for religiously-based cannibalistic or murderous SRA, despite extensive investigations. The concern and reaction expressed by various groups regarding the seriousness or threat of SRA has been considered out of proportion to the actual threat by satanically motivated crimes, and the rare crime that exists that may be labeled, quote, satanic does not justify the existence of a conspiracy or network of religiously motivated child abusers. It's just now occurring to me the irony that the Socialist Rifle Association is called the SRA and how that can possibly just, add, I'm sure it has added some fuel, added some fuel to the fire for these QAnons. Just to really boil down, like, how ridiculous SRA was, like, the claims, is that there's actually more evidence for the fucking killer clown craze than there is for SRA. <laughs> Literally. Remember the killer clowns for yeah, a few that years ago that fucking went viral? Yeah. Oh, that was a weird chat. Right about that there's shit. more evidence of that than SRA. Damn. I mean, technically, also, even, never- even the knockout game is actually worse than SRA. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Oh, yeah. There's also never been a case of organized Satanism ever doing anything of the like to children, ever. In fact, it's always been the fucking opposite. It has always been organized yep. Christianity. Anyway, I could go off, but like, yeah, Same. that's just one of the fucking things that I've always just laughed at of like, no. oh, you guys find all this evidence, quote unquote, everywhere. There's fucking none to support it. And if anything, there's evidence to assail your point of view. Mm-hmm. More. Facts and logic. <sighs> all right. So um, let's talk about the Protocols of Elders of Zion. So the Protocols of the Elders of Zion is a fabricated anti-Semitic text purporting to describe a Jewish plan for global domination. The hoax, which was shown to be plagiarized from several earlier sources, some not anti-Semitic in nature, was first published in Russia in 1903, translated into multiple languages, and disseminated internationally in the early part of the 20th century. Henry Ford funded printing of 500,000 copies that were distributed throughout the United States in the 1920s. Distillations of it were assigned by some German teachers as if factual to be read by German school children after the Nazis came to power in 1933, despite having been exposed as fraudulent by the British newspaper The Times in 1921 and the German Frankfurter Zeitung in 1924. It remains widely available in numerous languages, in print and on the internet, and continues to be presented by neo-fascist, fundamentalist, and anti-Semitic groups as a genuine document. The political scientist Stephen Bronner described it as, quote, probably the most influential work of anti-Semitism ever written. What the Communist Manifesto is for Marxism, the fictitious protocols is for anti-Semitism. The protocols is a fabricated document purporting to be factual. 
Textual evidence shows that it could not have been produced prior to 1901. It is known that the title of Sergei Nalus's widely distributed edition contains the dates 1902 to 1903, and it is likely that the document was actually written at this time in Russia, despite Nihilus's attempt to cover this up by inserting French-sounding words into his edition. Caesar G. de Michelis argues that it was manufactured in the months after a Russian Zionist Congress in September 1902, and that it was originally a parody of Jewish idealism meant for internal circulation among anti-Semites until it was decided to clean it up and publish it as if it were real. Self-contradictions in various testimonies show that the individuals involved, including the text's initial publisher, Pavel Khrushchevin, deliberately obscured the origins of the text and lied about it in the decades afterwards. If the placement of the forgery in 1902-1903 Russia is correct, then it was written at the beginning of the anti-Jewish pogroms in the Russian Empire, in which thousands of Jews were killed or fled the country. Many of the people whom Demetrius suspects of involvement in the forgery were directly responsible for inciting the pogroms. So that's what I have on the Protocols Builders of Zion. I knew a little bit about it, but I mean, just even reading that passage when I was doing the notes for this show, shed a lot of light on it because I didn't know the actual origins of it. The only other anecdote that I've heard of relating to the Protocols was uh, something I actually heard on Chapo, where apparently like Hitler, when I guess the Nazis and Japan were outlying in World War II, apparently Hitler was purported to have shown the Protocols to some higher ups in the Japanese government, trying to turn them against the Jews and saying this is their plan for global domination. And it totally backfired because when they read it, they said, wow, these guys are awesome. Like, this is their plan. We got to be friends with these guys. Like, we got <laughs> we have to ally with them or we're going to lose. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> we got space lasers. <laughs> I mean, yeah, you can't God, go wrong. God That's the backfire that happens when you use the fascist rhetoric of the almighty but also weak enemy. You know, somebody's going to be like, oh, they're all powerful? Dude, these dudes are dope. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. That's a no-brainer. Like, we got to be friends with them. Yeah, Schrodinger's enemy. Uh, Jim, yeah. I'm going to let you go off on the uh, protocols if you like, or if anybody else has anything, go ahead. Yeah, I mean, if somebody else has something they want to say first, because I this is kind of my wheelhouse. No, I just wanted to make sure that you're working from the beginning to Jewish space lasers. I need to figure out that timeline. <laughs> we can do that. Yeah. So for anyone that's just tuning in and hasn't really listened to me before specifically, I was raised conservative Jewish. And the sort of crux of belief in Judaism is a little bit different than what we see from other Abrahamic religions, wherein there's a lot of emphasis on discussion, argument, rhetorical sparring, that kind of stuff. And there's also a heavy emphasis on staying in one's own community, not for xenophobic reasons, but because we were a stateless people for a very long time. So where a lot of these myths came from, and this relates directly to like the cabal, the people that run, you know, financial elite, deep state, all this stuff that eventually ends up with the Jews. A lot of this actually comes from the European diaspora and what happened with the Jews at the time. Go ahead. Sorry for killing your vibe. What no, is cabal? No, not at all. I know it's a made up thing, uh, but what is what does that mean? It's their general term. It's another word for Illuminati or like okay. the people in charge. It can be anything from politicians to celebrities to who the fuck ever. It's pervasive in their minds. Okay, cool. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, cabal just means like a secret group, right? Right. More or less, yeah. Yeah, but in terms of Q, yeah, like for me, it's Q a signal that yeah. whenever somebody uses it unironically, it's like, dude, d- done. Done with this conversation. Run. You okay. already know. Yeah. <laughs> gotcha. So here's where this originated, and I'm going to tie this into protocols, but there has to be a little bit of background first, is when Jews went to Europe, the Ashkenazi Jews, there's three sects, Sephardi, Mizrahim, and Ashkenaz. Ashkenaz are the European Jews, white Jews like myself. When Jews went there, 
we tended to live in things called shetels, which are our own villages within different national territories. And we had our own judicial systems called kahals. And we usually settled our own disputes within the shekels in the kahals. So obviously, we have a lot of Jewish terminology here. This pissed off a lot of people in different regional monarchies and territories and stuff like that because we did have everything we needed in our villages. And we tend to uh, settle judicial disputes using rabbinical law instead of the law of the respective land that we happen to be in. Now, from this, there would be occurrences in the ancient world, like, let's say, the Black Plague, for example, right? And Jews don't really go outside of their own community because every time we do, we get fucking killed. So, you know, the Black Plague would hit a village and there's a small Jewish settlement outside of it. The Jews in that settlement don't go to the village. They don't get Black Plague. And then via confirmation bias, like what Blaine was talking about, the settlers in that village would be like, well, the Jews aren't getting it. They must have been the ones that made the Black Plague. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. Okay. And the, I mean, this would happen to all kinds of shit. They'd accuse Jews of poisoning wells and blah, blah, blah. And eventually Jews got pushed entirely out of Western Europe in what is called the Pale of Settlement over to Eastern Europe. Now, in terms of all of these things happening and what led to the protocols, here's where all this ties in. So most of the Jews in Europe are concentrated to the Eastern part of the continent. And relating back to my first description of what's endemic to Judaism, there's the Torah, which is God's word. And then there's Talmud, which is law. It's split into two books. There's Mishnah, which is law, and then Gemara, which is discussion. And Gemara, the discussion part, is basically just Jewish scholars fucking with each other over the course of centuries. They're just, you know, <laughs> posing a legal argument and then dis, you know, dismantling this argument and then posing another one and then a hypothetical scenario and then blah, blah, blah. It's all rhetorical sparring. And a lot of times, you know, you can get something out of Talmud, which, by the way, is Aramaic. So it's kind of hard to translate. It doesn't sound so good. So people would end up cherry picking the things that they wanted from Jewish culture and misconstruing it and reframing it in different ways that serve their narrative to create this hatred of the Jew, the outsider, the person who's never really a part of your country, but feeds off of your country. And all of these sentiments started to grow and congeal into what we eventually found to be the protocols of the elders of Zion. And then it comes into modernity, which is what you were talking about, Mike, where it's being circulated throughout Imperial Russia because a lot of Bolsheviks Mm -hmm. happen to have Jewish lineage. So obviously we should put the Jews in camps which is actually where my grandfather Abraham ran from. Uh, We're Lithuanian third generation. And then, of course, into Nazi Germany. And then finally in the diaspora, we have Henry Ford and the introduction of these protocols to the United States, where they still live on as the cabal, the Rothschilds, and more directly to QAnon, George Soros. Yeah. Yeah, I guess we can't really understate the involvement or the role that the figure of George Soros plays. I don't want to say the role that he actually plays. You know, don't mistake me there. Like I the role that they a single time. I still want my Soros bucks, dude. I keep what asking. Are you like, about? He bought us the laser. <laughs> he bought us the space laser. God, <laughs> ungrateful. Uh, but just, I mean, the irony to me of this entire situation with Jews as a culture and how other people have done this to them. 
where you go back thousands or however many years it is, you have these people who exclude them because they don't like Jews. Like out of their own prejudice, they exclude them from owning land. They exclude them from taking part in any of the industries, exclude them to only taking part in the financial industries because, you know, it's against their religion to do so. So they say, well, look, we can't lend money. So now that's going to be your thing since that's an evil thing and that's a shitty thing to do. We don't want to take part in this. So now we're going to give that to you Jews, you know, since we don't like you anyway, uh, we're not going to let you have, you know, real jobs. And then you then form an entire society based around money, a capitalism, and you you Correct. do that. And then surprise when, as capitalism does, the same people who were wealthy and involved in money generations ago are still wealthy and involved in money. Because if you just look at it, like the same families that were rich in the Renaissance in Europe are still rich today. That's how capitalism fucking works. So then you're just going to completely not see the reality that's right in front of your face and realize that you did this to Jews, that nepotism is part of capitalism. And then when these same people are, you know, culturally uh, involved in money and successful and wealthy because you did it to them to begin with, now you're then going to also persecute them continually and paint them as the evil guys. In finality, at the same time, you're removing your painting of the Jew from being formative in leftist ideology, not only in communism, but also in anarchism. We cannot forget about people like Emma Goldman. And you're also excluding the history of Judaism insofar as leftism in practice. If you look at the kibbutzim, the kibbutz of Israel, even beyond the creation of the state of Israel, it is a consistent ideology of Judaica, which is community and sharing and equal opportunity. You're cherry picking the part that you made for Jews instead of looking deeper into the culture of Jews, which honestly is far more left wing and completely counter to both capitalism and admittedly Israel. Hmm. Yeah, I was going to say real quick, uh, like just how the bias against Jews and like what Jaron was saying in regards to the Black Plague is they blame Jews for this, but no one blamed monks who didn't get the Black Plague at all. Like monks right. didn't get the Black Plague because they didn't fucking drink water. They drank beer. <laughs> That's a good idea. A completely other group that didn't get the Black Plague at all didn't get the blame. Just the Jews. Yeah. That's the same thing that we were saying earlier. Like you're going to blame Jews for child trafficking, but not the Catholic church. It's weird how one group that is actually doing it gets ignored and the group that is not gets blamed. It's, it's really yeah. funny how that works. Yeah. Yeah. And even with recent news coming out that uh, German nuns were selling kids off to fucking sex rings. Oh, I saw that today. That's fucking oh my horrific. God, dude. That was cr- Jesus. Yeah. yeah. All right, so let's try and tie it back into some more modern stuff. Let's get back to actual QAnon. But I think, you know, everybody can sort of see the connections between what is purported in these protocols and the fiction there and, you know, this idea of cabals and child trafficking and blood libel or ritual abuse of children and how that ties into QAnon and just fuels that entire what is a white nationalist and anti-Semitic movement. I wanted to get into some of the major events during the Trump presidency. I have a long list of the failed predictions that they have, but a couple of other side notes that I have here... (laughs) are things like uh, the Miracle Mineral Supplement, often referred to as the Miracle Mineral Solution. It's also called the Master Mineral Solution, MMS, or the CD protocol, is chlorine dioxide, an industrial bleach. It is made by mixing aqueous sodium chloride with an acid, such as the juices of citrus fruits or vinegar, and this mixture produces chlorine dioxide, a toxic chemical that can cause nausea, vomiting, diarrhea, and life-threatening low blood pressure due to dehydration. Sodium chlorate, the main constituent of MMS, is a toxic chemical that can cause acute kidney failure if ingested. Small amounts of about one gram can be expected to cause nausea, vomiting, shedding of internal mucous membranes, such as those of the small and large intestine, producing so-called rope worms, which I don't even want to look into what that is, 
and even life-threatening hemolysis in persons who are deficient in glucose 6-phosphate dehydrogenase. So this is what people were taking. Even before COVID struck, people were talking about this miracle mineral solution as like a cure-all for diseases. Like this was really big in the QAnon community, which I wouldn't have known about if it wasn't for the QAnon Anonymous podcast. They did, I think, at least one, maybe several episodes on it. But this was like really popular among the QAnon and anti-vax communities, which again, that's like a very small Venn diagram. Like they are very, very huge overlap between those communities. But yeah, I mean, this was touted as the cure-all for all kinds of diseases for people who didn't want to take vaccines, who didn't trust doctors because they think that the big pharma industry is this evil thing, which it is, you know, it definitely is, but not mm-hmm. because, it's, you know, Jews are involved, but because it's a for-profit industry, which should be available to everyone, you know, free of charge based on what we pay in taxes. But this was a big thing, drinking bleach or whatever else you would do with, I think bleach enemas were also a thing in the QAnon community, mm-hmm. um, but it was yeah. touted as some kind of uh, light bulbs up the ass. What's that? What? UV light bulbs up the ass? What? I didn't hear about that one. No, I'm just joking <laughs> off of the uh, the oh, Trump was like, oh, get the UV light like somehow inside the body. Dude, all the bacteria yeah. dies. <laughs> um, but I mean, and then of course you can see how this would have turned into you know, when COVID struck, another thing that people would latch on to. Like, I'm not going to trust and I, I feel like it's so exhausting. Like, I can sort of see where you're coming from, Caitlin, where this all just gets you really sad and depressed and just tired because <laughs> The idea that like when it comes to COVID, that COVID is both a disease that was perpetrated by these evil Chinese people to ruin Trump's economy. And it was spread by the Democrats so they could ruin the amazing America that Trump had made great. But then also it's fake. And we should tackle this disease by doing everything we can to not take part in any of the precautions. We should not wear masks. We should not social distance. We should not listen to doctors in the CDC. We should not listen to any of the professionals who are telling us what to do to avoid catching this disease, spreading to others, resulting in the record number of deaths that we've seen because of it in America. Like those two things are completely incongruous. Like you cannot hold those two ideas in a sane mind to think that it's both real and a weapon, but then also fake. Like none of it makes any sense. But then of course, I mean, this is the, these are the type of people who think that Ingesting bleach is a good solution for any kind of disease. I feel obligatory to insert the Isaac Asimov quote here. There's a cult of ignorance in the United States, and there always has been. The strain of anti-intellectualism has been a constant thread winding its way through our political and cultural life. Nurtured by the false notion that democracy means that my ignorance is just as good as your knowledge. No investigation, Uh, no right to speak. Exactly. (laughs) I love Mal. Um, so great so great please come back so let's get into uh, <laughs> uh I, did, I, did i send you that video of him at the fucking airport oh, dude i love amazing. that shit <laughs> i want to get into uh some of the failed predictions from QAnon, and you guys uh, raise a hand at any time if you want to comment on these but i have quite a good list here so QAnon's <laughs> first prediction was that hillary clinton was about to be arrested and would attempt to flee the country this prediction fails. Other failed predictions include the storm would take place on November 3rd, 2017. There were no notable events in U.S. politics on that day. This is November 3rd, 2017, not 2020, like November 3rd, 2017, a year after the 2016 election. Uh, the quote storm would take place on January 20th, 2021, the day of Biden's inauguration. No coup took place that day and Biden was peacefully inaugurated. A major event involving the Department of Defense would take place on February 1st, 2018. Nothing happened then. People targeted by the president would commit suicide en masse on February 10th, 2018. No prominent people committed suicide that day. There would be a car bombing in London around February 16, 2018. There was no bombing. The Trump military parade would, quote, never be forgotten. The parade was canceled. 
I thought you were going to say the parade was forgotten because I forgot. <laughs> better. Well, it didn't. Even better. Some bitch didn't even happen. Remember the guy I mentioned on uh, the terrorism episode that was so mad that none of these mass arrests or any of the predictions were coming true, so he parked an armored car on the fucking uh, Hoover Dam? Yeah, dude, that was gold. Wait, what? <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Some fucking basement dweller was fucking mad that the mass arrest that Q predicted wasn't happening. So he parked a Brinks armored truck across the lanes of the Hoover Dam, armed with fucking guns, and was just live streaming in the back like, I need to talk to Trump. They need a fucking mass arrest. What is going to happen? Yeah. Cool. Let's chill. <laughs> so, see another failed prediction. Uh, the Five Eyes quote won't be around much longer. Uh, it has not been terminated. I mean, actually, that would be great if they just ended the Five Eyes Alliance. Oh, I think it's the Nine Eyes now, isn't it? Uh, I think it's seven or nine now. Yeah. So that has not been terminated. Something major would happen in Chongqing on April tenth, two thousand eighteen. Nothing notable happened in Chongqing that day. There would be a, quote, bombshell revelation about North Korea in May 2018. There were no notable developments. A, quote, smoking gun video of Hillary Clinton would emerge in March 2018. No video appeared. Multiple failed predictions that John McCain would resign from the U.S. Senate. McCain remained in the Senate until his death in August 2018. Multiple failed predictions that Mark Zuckerberg would leave Facebook and flee the United States. Zuckerberg remains CEO of Facebook as of February 2021. Okay, that one's fucking ridiculous because that's like their fucking platform. And like that's their fucking yeah. guy that defends their fucking platform and allows yeah. their fucking conspiracy <laughs> theories to fucking spread. That's so goddamn ridiculous. Like, he's your fucking hero. Don't let him leave. What are you talking about? You should fucking support him. As of like a couple weeks ago, I guess that you could potentially debate that. Like, I guess, you know, they've now fled the coop to parlor and whatever else. I mean, even for their purported attempts to squash this, like Facebook and YouTube still platform a ton of this far right shit. Like you can easily find yeah. it. Yeah, they're reported. So if they were trying. They're not doing a good happened. job. Yeah, they haven't tried until recently. Facebook is to blame for QAnon. Boomers aren't getting on to Reddit themselves. They're getting the shit off Facebook. No, yeah. 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 And mm-hmm. Mark Zuckerberg just wanted to be a fucking, I don't know, edgelord and be like, well, free speech. And it's like, well, maybe you should get a handle on hate speech that's happening on your platform. And he never mm-hmm. fucking did until now where he's like, oh, whoops, who would have guessed this was going to happen? Fucking everybody. Like, yeah. everybody. <laughs> Especially all the Facebook insiders that are like, yeah, he allowed this to happen. They even modify the yeah. algorithms to let this happen. Yeah. Oh, my God. I got more fucking violations on my two leftist accounts than any fucking QAnon. I got fucking yeah. kicked off Facebook like three years ago because some fucking I was on the SRA comment section and Like, as soon as I posted something, I got a message from Facebook saying my name wasn't real, that Walt Disney wasn't my legal name. (laughs) Wait, Walt (laughs) Disney? That's better than the fucking Jamie Lee Squirtus. I thought about oh, changing so that because I was like, that was a good fucking name. That's the reason I was most yeah. sad about leaving Facebook is because I was like, that's a fucking funny name. And you ruined it's it. really good. Yeah. And so I know it happened right after I commented. And so I know some fucking alt-right troll was like, oh, I can get her kicked off because she's got a fake name. Yeah. yeah. So I got kicked off and I had just reported this was during the Jason Stockley protests that happened in St. Louis. And like the day before, I had just reported this lady who lived in St. Charles, which I mentioned earlier. Hope none of the listeners are from St. Charles. I'm sure they aren't. But she said 
on like a public page, she had commented, this is trigger warning, it's very racist, that black people should be lined up and shot. And so I reported it and they said it didn't violate their guidelines. Yet my fucking Jesus name could be Walt Disney. How? Yeah. Yeah. It was crazy. And me not having my legal name on there, they wanted government issued ID for me to be able to get back. I still can't get in my account. Not that I've tried in years, but they wanted me to send government issued ID. And I was like, hmm, I don't know. This seems pretty fucking sketchy. Mm hmm. Yeah. So that's where they were at. Yeah, no, that's like, dude, I got multiple violations on both my Instagram accounts. But a couple weeks ago, I found an account super fucking racist. They had a video that was like, oh, let's normalize the N word. And it was literally an eight minute video of just the N word with a hard R. And it's like, I reported it. They came back to me in less than a minute. It was like, oh, it's fine. It checks out. What? Yeah. Are you serious? Fucking wild. How? I, yeah. Whatever. Yeah. Blows my I mind. Mean, so going back to what I was talking about in the intro, talking about how this is like a natural progression of what we are living in. Mm-hmm. Anyone who is not a far right nut job is able to recognize that this country is far right in nature. Just at the very core, like if you are in a country that assumes capitalism to be correct, assumes that communism is bad and has pretty much enabled fascists and white nationalists in every possible way, then it's not really going to be surprising that the algorithms for social media companies are going to lead people in a far right direction because they're not going to lead them in a, in a communist direction. They're not going to lead them in a capitalist direction. So, of course, what you're going to get out of this when people are going to find videos that explain the world to them in a way that they want to make sense because a natural product of social media is out. I mean, that's something that drives the algorithms that we all know of is that people are engaged with things that outrage them. You know, outrage drives engagement. So if you have people who are desperate, who are precarious, who are alienated by capitalism and they're seeking this escape in entertainment, then of course it's going to lead them in this far right direction because that's going to be the alternative that explains all of this to them. Again, just like we were saying before about how it's not going to be communism, it's going to be these crazy conspiracy theories instead because that's the only option that seems plausible in a far right landscape that we live in. Did you have something, Blaine? Yeah. So one thing that I did want to point out, since we did list all the failed predictions and things like that. One no, not all. We're not myself. done. Oh, oh good, good. Uh, yeah, well, you know, I wanted to punish myself by reading a literal manifesto of one of the people who is a QAnon adherer. I have no fucking idea what his uh. name is, but it is, it is insanity. And I'm not even that far into the book yet. But basically... One of the predictions that he found particularly interesting and like the crux of why you should believe Q, right? And for listeners who don't know how QAnon works, basically some random poster on 4chan started making all these drops called Q drops. And yeah, Jared and I call them poo drops. And (laughs) dropping a stanky Q. Well, basically, it's like a breadcrumb, right? And then these anonymous people who see this, they go and do what they think is research to try to make sense of it. So one of the things that, oh my God. So one of the things that these people latched onto, the writer of this book, was a particular QAnon post that predicted the death of John McCain because he was like a traitor and explained the tumor away. So I guess basically what happened, it's, it's nuts. It's absolutely nuts. Um, but basically, he was scheduled to be executed, but the tumor was a cover story so that his family could live on and not live in shame. Oh, my God. Um, yeah. And he made this prediction. I want to say it was July 26, 2018. 
Now, when you look at this guy's like proof in the pudding of how Q is an insider, right? He's like this inside guy in this like military or FBI or some intelligence, something rather. He knows this because it's a scheduled execution, according to this guy. And the proof in the pudding was that John McCain actually died, according to this dude, but I did my own research, to the minute, 30 days later. Well, it turns out he did die on the same time of this post. However, it was actually 32 days later. And the dude was like, oh, it was on dog day. I looked it up. It was one day before dog day. It was What's close. dog day? But here... International Dog Day, like you like your dog. International. Oh, how did I not know that? Day. I love dogs. What? Yeah, and the whole thing. I the have whole, two dogs. Like, literally, <laughs> we and love them. Like, <laughs> I like this, this dog. Guy, in his hysteria, though, was like, "Oh!" And people were talking to Q about this because Q basically said something very vague, like John McCain was going to be in the news in a month, and like it had already been outed that he had cancer. It's a vague fucking claim. Every dog has his day was something that Q said to someone. Dude didn't even point out the pun. He just got so caught up in the timestamp without realizing it wasn't exactly lining up. And that was his big coup de gras. But to me, that's a broken clock is right two times a day, especially when Q was posting 17 times that day. And that's just one of the days. Semi. Mm -hmm. Yeah, not even exactly. But yeah. This is basic cold reading, the fortune teller, John Edwards kind of thing, where you just make a bunch mm-hmm. of big predictions and yes. then, you know, your followers will do the mental work of tying. It's like astrology or anything like that. Hopefully none of our listeners are into astrology. Ugh. Did you have something, Ward? Yeah, real quick, <laughs> since we didn't cover it. So why he is called Q is because he claimed <laughs> that he has Q level clearance. And for those who don't know, that is in the government that is above top secret clearance is q level clearance and that's why a lot of people give him validity yeah that's like for nuclear code level clearance yes this is a late addition to the notes i just put in there a couple hours before we got onto the podcast but an entire article that i will probably read i think we'll actually get into that next week because we're getting close to the end tonight but basically i've always had the theory that q was a government psyop to begin with And it looks like there is some evidence to support that. But we will get into that next time. For now, I think we'll start to wrap it up, but I will just go through some more of these failed Q predictions um, just because they're so, so satisfying. By the way, when I was making the outline, I had a section that said predictions that came true, question mark. And that section is blank because I couldn't find a single one. I've been looking too. Can't find a damn one. What? The 4.28 p.m. was as close as I got. Honestly, like, that is a feat to have no predictions come true. I feel like by coincidence, at least some should have came true, but they're doing such a bad job at it that like nothing came true. How did nothing come true? It would have been so easy, though. Just say something like the stock market will crash. Yes. Boom. Yeah. Vague. Anything. Fuck. Vague. Like just mm. broad stroke that bitch. I could do it. Yeah. Too complicated. Get on, get on 4chan. Oh my God. Okay. Rush Limbaugh is going to die. <laughs> 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 Fucking Kissinger, somebody who's already on the door. Like Rush Limbaugh's, um, Limbaugh's on the door, right? Hopefully. Oh, yeah. He's got to be close. Like, yeah. We can only hope. Anyway. Mm. Um, okay. So, let's see. yeah. <laughs> so, multiple failed predictions that Twitter CEO Jack Dorsey would be forced to resign. Dorsey remains CEO of Twitter as of February 2021. Multiple failed predictions that Pope Francis would be arrested on felony charges. Francis has not been arrested. Multiple failed predictions that, quote, something big would happen or the truth would, quote, emerge next week. Obviously, it hasn't happened yet. It isn't likely to. next week yet, Mike. <laughs> you got a point there. You got a good point, sir. 
multiple field predictions that Donald Trump would be re-inaugurated on January 20th, 2021, despite losing the election. Joe Biden was inaugurated as planned. In addition to false predictions, Q has posted numerous false, baseless, and unsubstantiated claims, such as that the CIA installed North Korean leader Kim Jong-un as a puppet ruler. How dare anybody speak ill of our base king, <laughs> Kim Jong-un. The biggest car thief of all time. Damn, I haven't even heard that one. <laughs> I love that shit, dude. <laughs> that made me so happy to see that. A February 16, 2018 false claim that the U.S. representative and former Democratic National Committee chairwoman Debbie Wasserman Schultz hired Salvadoran gang MS-13 to murder DNC staffer Seth Rich. Yeah, Seth Rich was a big element in the QAnon and Pizzagate conspiracy. On March 1st, 2018, a parent suggestion that German Chancellor Angela Merkel is Adolf Hitler's granddaughter. She's not. She's uh, not. July 7th. A July 7th, 2018 Daily Beast article noted that Q falsely claimed that, quote, each mass shooting is a false flag attack organized by the cabal. Getting some uh, serious Marjorie Taylor Greene vibes there. That Obama, Hillary Clinton, George Soros, and others are planning a coup against Trump and are involved in an international child sex trafficking ring. That the Mueller investigation is actually a counter-coup led by Trump who pretended to conspire with Russia in order to hire Mueller to successfully investigate the Democrats. Just the levels of complete insanity you have to go through. Like, it just goes deeper and deeper. Uh, That the Rothschild family leads a satanic cult. Similar political allegations and rumors have circulated since the 1970s. Typically, the allegations revolved around investigators using existing satanic cults to lure and blackmail left-wing activists, or in the case of the Franklin Child Prostitution Ring allegations, satanic sexual abuse perpetrated by elite Republicans. A significant difference between the older narratives and the QAnon of today is that now elite Democrats are considered the villains instead of Republicans. Funny how that works. We did like a reverse Dixiecrat situation there. Yeah, right? It's like the party switch really did happen. The District of Columbia Organic Act of 1871 made the United States into a corporation, a theory developed by the sovereign citizen movement. On March 4th, 2021, Donald Trump will be inaugurated as the 19th president of the United States, and the United States will cease to be a corporation and once again become the country started by the founding fathers. That's the biggest one now. I mean, that's like their main thing that they have going now. It's like their last ditch effort to, you know, salvage Trump's loss. Yeah. I mean, they got to keep moving the goalpost. Is that one tied in with the face-off theory? Oh, oh that they switched told bodies. us about this. Yeah. <laughs> Ooh. Does anybody want to uh, just explain that real quick for anybody? Oh, Let me see if I can know. pull it up real I, quick. I really don't. Essentially, <laughs> they're trying to say that Biden is Trump in like a John Travolta, Nicolas Cage face-off sort of situation, right? <laughs> like literally. <laughs> off and the body types definitely match, so it seems like it would... <laughs> It checks out. It checks out. See? Trump looks like if there could be an anthropomorphic McDonald's, <laughs> it's Donald Trump. Yeah. What's that? And Biden does not deserve that dog. I do. Oh, I want yeah. that fucking dog. I want both of his fucking dogs. Was he yeah, a German Do you guys remember yeah. whenever there was that thing? It was like a design or like modeled out of clay that they made if we evolved to survive car crashes. Like the body type that you have. <laughs> that is Donald Trump. I've never Trump. heard of this. Oh my God. It truly is. is Donald Trump's body. I'll, I'll send you a picture of it. That's What's Donald the premise? Trump. Just more cushion for the pushing, I guess? Yeah, I guess nothing is like sticking out. You're very like rolly. Yeah. <laughs> he is his own airbag. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, okay. Let's see. Q's posts have become more cryptic and vague allowing followers to map their own beliefs onto them. Some posts include strings of characters that are allegedly coded messages. In my research, I didn't find any of those that were successfully decrypted to reveal anything. On multiple occasions, Q has dismissed their false claims and incorrect predictions as deliberate, claiming that, quote, disinformation is necessary. 
This has led Australian psychologist Stefan Lewandowski to emphasize the, quote, self-sealing quality of the conspiracy theory, highlighting its anonymous purveyor's use of plausible deniability and noting that evidence against it can become evidence of its validity in the minds of the believers. Author Walter Kern has described Q as an innovator among conspiracy theorists by enthralling readers with clues rather than presenting claims directly. The audience for internet narratives doesn't want to read. It wants to write. It doesn't want answers provided. It wants to search for them. That's actually a really good insight. So real quick, like the whole thing hinges on like this dude supposedly has like Q level clearance, but the way he digitally signs his messages to like ensure that it's Q is super low level security to the point where literally people have been able to hack it and get his passwords. Mm -hmm. So it's a boomer. Yeah. Like this guy doesn't even understand like (laughs) pretty good protocol, which is like what is known to be uncrackable, but to ensure that a certain poster is who they are. Dude can't even figure that out, but he supposedly has Q level clearance. Fuck off. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, just to briefly, if I can try to give like a layman's description of PGP, pretty good protocol, basically like the way that cryptography works is that you could take a very simple password and put it into this cryptographic protocol and it will spit out a really random looking string of numbers and letters. And it's impossible to get back to that original password with the current technology that we have. Like the computing power it would take to undo it is something that we just don't even have yet. It cannot be undone. The point is that it's very, very easy to prove your identity with a PGP key or a Bitcoin address or anything that involves cryptography is if you use the same protocol every time and use the same password, you will end up with that same string of characters. That is the key to all of it is that you input that password and as long as you're using that same protocol, that really long and random string of characters will come out the same every time, proving that it is you, but also making it impossible for anybody else to figure out the password that you used unless it is something so stupid simple. Like I said, if you're a boomer and you use something so simple that people just guess it. Yeah, like PGP is mainly known on the dark web, like these dark markets. Why do you know that word? Don't ask me questions. Um, <laughs> but no, it's it's mainly used on the dark web. Like that's where like a lot of the knowledge and awareness of PGP comes from is because you have these dark markets where people buy drugs and shit like that. And you want to be able to verify the dude you're buying drugs from. And so dudes use the PGP signature and protocol so that they can ensure, hey, customer, I am who you think I am. And it's been around yeah. since a long ass time since the beginning of Silk Road. And the fact that this guy can't even fucking figure that out just shows the inherent flaws in who he says he is. So in in summation, it would be safe to say that given that cryptographic hash technology is consumer technology, that if this person is not even using that, it's pretty safe to say he doesn't have access to nuclear code. Revolutionary, (laughs) truly. (laughs) We figured it out, guys. Okay, so um, let's wrap it up there. But as a sort of a preview for next week, I do have a whole nother section of failed predictions and false claims from QAnon. And then I also wanted to talk briefly about the phenomenon of suburban moms being brainwashed into Q. This was a huge thing on websites like MomsNet and like I was saying earlier, the huge overlap between the anti-vax community and QAnon. You mean the Venn diagram that looks like a circle? <laughs> yeah, that one. <laughs> I thought you meant the family tree that looks like a wreath. <laughs> That's a good one. That was really good. Reddit. <laughs> <laughs> Too much Reddit. Fuck. 
I want to talk about also um, how Q has subsumed all other conspiracy theories into this one big tent. And I think that's my main thing for thinking that is a government psyop because you cannot even go to conspiracy theory websites anymore. Conspiracy subreddits, no. you know, the one conspiracy subreddit is completely just a Donald Trump circle jerk at this point mm. um, and has been for his entire administration. But like, that's effectively what it did. And we'll get into this more next week. But like, it really is sad because I used to be into conspiracies. And to some extent, I still am. But mostly the ones that you can actually prove with FOIA documents from the CIA. But you cannot find conspiracy theory websites or any conspiracy theory forum that is not just a QAnon safe space at this point. And then we'll talk a little more about the Save the Children hashtag and the rallies that they were holding, because that seemed to be the later iteration of Q when they sort of were getting cracked down on by social media companies before the real big crackdown recently after the election and the failed coup attempt. They were trying to paint themselves as a Save the Children campaign, and they would use that hashtag and they were holding rallies across the country. There was a particular day where they had one in every major city, and I want to talk more about that next week. And then we will get into the article I have about QAnon being a government psyop. I would wrap it up. Cosper's take on that too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I hope he can get his computer fixed and can join us next week. Fucking ramen. Pesky. Uh, <laughs> 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 All right, so let's do uh, plugs. Of course, we're going to plug Caitlin's Conspiracy Corner and VHS Action Rewind. Uh, you guys want to tell us a little bit about those? So we can find your podcast on all the podcast apps, right? I'm pretty sure, right, Cullen? Yeah, we're on iTunes and Spotify. And yeah, essentially, we, uh, Shannon, a friend of ours, will research a conspiracy. She'll teach it to Caitlin, and then we'll make a lot of fart jokes. So if that's your thing, uh, (laughs) uh, check us out. And then VHS Action Rewind is on Instagram and YouTube. I, for some reason, have a collection of action movies on VHS tapes. Um, For some reason? Okay. You love them. You I love, love them. them. I cherish them. I, I do cherish them. Uh, I support I, you. <laughs> I, I forced force Caitlin to watch them, and she hates every minute of it. So if you want yeah. to see her be tortured, that's on our YouTube channel. Our Angel of Fury review is up to three views now, so it really takes yeah, off. Yeah, yeah. That's um, a really... Angel of Fury was the only one I enjoyed because Cynthia Rothrock is fucking incredible. If you don't know who she is, she's amazing. She's a martial artist. Is that what they're called? Artists. Martial arts. Okay. Yeah. Basically, other than Cynthia Rothrock movies, I am forced to watch movies that are full of U.S. nationalism and hyper-masculinity. So <laughs> two of my favorite things. It's really fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then on Conspiracy <laughs> Corner, we do have, we have an episode about QAnon. We have some deep state, we call them deep state updates, but for the most part, it is pretty lighthearted. We have some episodes about conspiracies that are, have proven to be true, mostly fucked up shit. Our government has done and then we have homebrews which are just ones that we make up mostly ones that I make up because I'm a crazy person and I think everyone's out (laughs) to get me so if you need a break from QAnon stuff ours is a good place to go listen where we don't talk about really heavy shit I would say if you want like a good entry one the Illuminati one is illuminating I don't mean for that word to sound so similar to Illuminati but it Mark basically goes like very in depth into why we don't need this like shadowy organization to fuck over the working class it's a really really good listen so yeah that's our stuff yeah definitely go check out Caitlin's Conspiracy Corner and that's Caitlin C-A-I-T-L-Y-N because I know there are some different spellings of that but there's another on any one podcast app and then um VHS Action Rewind is on YouTube and like you said on Instagram. Is there underscores on Instagram for people that want to find it? There is underscores on it. Yeah, uh, Colin, I can, we're, we're really fucking hard. 
Well, I, listen, I just want the truth have a choice. It, so you're going to have to work for it a little bit. That's you true. Have to figure out, you, you know, just like figuring out maybe? the password for the Q and up for the Q drops. <laughs> the juice is worth the squeeze. <laughs> <laughs> but I love all your guys' content. So everybody, please go oh, check them out. They really put out some you. good stuff. And uh, for Blaine, let's plug your page. You're a tattoo artist. Do you want to tell people about your stuff? Yep, tattoo artist by day. Uh, that's my day job. It's a wild one. But I guess my passion part-time is obviously work within TST and anything kind of related to that. So I would say anything I would want to plug is mostly that author that has basically inspired me to study religious modern movements. So his name is Joseph P. Laycock, especially the books Dangerous Games and Speak of the Devil. Really, really good books. Cool. I have a different plug this week. I don't usually plug my personal business on here, but this is for a different reason. In Asheville, just to make it short, our city government at the beck and call of several right-wing business owners has forcibly displaced an entire homeless camp. They bulldozed their tents and forced them to move, which is in violation of not only just basic fucking human decency, but COVID-19 CDC standards. And it's also been like seven degrees wind chill. Yeah, it's been brutally it's been cold. cold. And the city just didn't give a fuck. And they yeah. followed the beck and call of a couple right-wing assholes that happened to live here. So anyway, my Instagram for my personal business is at Perlman Fine Jewelry. That's P-E-A-R-L-M-A-N Fine Jewelry. And I'm running a raffle to benefit one of the best relief organizations here in the city. It's only $10 to enter. You can win a pendant that is worth $400. I'm just trying to raise as much money for these people as possible because they have been completely fucked for the winter. And to everyone who's already donated, thank you so much. Yeah, I saw your post about that and that was really horrific. Just to briefly restate it, what was really so horrific about it was that like one person, one right-wing asshole made a comment on a website saying that these people shouldn't be camping out under this painted overpass where there's this mural, you know, it's meant to look nice for the city. And that one review prompted the police to go and, you know, rough these people up, remove them, take all their stuff, take away all their tents and everything and completely displace these people. It happened to be on the same day that it was going to reach record low temperatures for the season there. So yeah. these people have no shelter and nowhere to go and no recourse whatsoever because they're homeless as it is. It's not like anybody with any power pays attention to their concerns. Just absolutely ridiculous. And not only on that, but on top of that, they were celebrating afterwards and they were like posting things on Facebook yeah. celebrating the fact yeah. that these people were displaced. Yeah. Um, just the absolute most vile piece of shit scum of the earth All type of people. cops. So yeah, if anybody All can please cops. go help and donate to that, please. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, not only the cops, but the business owners that prompted them too. Them too. <laughs> And then uh, go ahead, Ward, once you plug your Instagram pages. Yeah, I got two violations on both, so uh, good luck. Yeah, um, buddy. First, my main account <laughs> is uh, at Ward Lolly, W A R D L A W L E Y. And uh, my backup is uh, Millennial Leftist, common spelling, no spaces or underscores. Uh, yeah, come check me out. Cool. I post some shit. Yeah, he's got a ton of funny shit. Um, and then for Sterling, I'll plug our Twitter. That's Twitter slash TurnLeftistPod. And for Cosper, his Twitch, that's twitch.tv slash Cosper, C-O-S-P-E-R underscore. For everything else related to the podcast, just check out the link tree slash TurnLeftist. You can get our merch, follow us on Instagram, and any of our other related social medias. What's up, board? Yeah, I also want to plug our Discord. Uh, you guys can hit us up, talk to us personally. Any questions or recommendations for episode ideas? We're, we're always open and we try to be as active as we can on there. Yeah, we're always hanging out in the Discord and we are very easy to reach, uh, very accessible. I like to think we're nice guys to talk to, hopefully. It depends. How left are you? 
Uh, everybody go join the SRA, not the Satanic Ritual Abuse, but the Social Swifle Association. <laughs> the cool go one. Join the PSL. <laughs> join the Party of Communists USA. And yeah, join whatever mutual aid organization is close to you or whatever socialist organization is in your town so that we can show people that it's not some crazy Satanic or Jewish conspiracy. It's just capitalism that's doing this to you. If, if you can't join any organizations or engage in mutual aid or direct action, just be active in your community. Be friendly to your neighbors. You know, show them what a communist really is and how they really act. Yeah. You know, that is, speaks volumes. Unless anybody has anything else, we can wrap it up there and we will pick up on part two of our QAnon series next week. Great. Cool. Thank you guys for joining <laughs> us. Thank you, Caitlin, Colin, and Blaine. That was so much fun. Thanks, everybody, for listening. And we'll catch you guys next week. Take care. Good night, everybody. Good night. Later, y'all. Bye, y'all.